Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Mr. Real Estate Diddy himself, Keith Everett. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, man. I just want to say first and foremost, I definitely appreciate you inviting me onto the podcast. Uh, I've been knowing about it for a while now, man. So I'm definitely, definitely, man, just ready to kick it off. How you doing? Yeah, man? for sure. I appreciate you sitting down with us. I know I, know I had you on the, the live before the Closers Olympics, but... That, that wasn't fair, man. That was the, You actually had to take over my hosting uh, seat for like five minutes because my internet went out. But uh, Yeah, man, we took it over, though, man. We held it down for sure. <laughs> but no, I, I wanted to bring you on here by yourself so everybody could, you know, learn more about you, your story, what you've got going on. You know, the Closers Olympics was, was awesome for all of us. Uh, it, it gave us a great platform to kind of showcase ourselves. Uh, our our skills and and also just let people from each other's followings get to know who we are. So uh, first and foremost, man, I want to thank you uh, for being the 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 brainchild behind that, the vision, the the visionary that came up with the idea and, and putting that on. I know that was so much work that yeah. nobody else knows about except for us that were involved with Closer Olympics. Uh, you guys really busted your ass on that. So so thank you so much for putting that on. Man, you know what, man? We was up, man, like plenty of nights. Uh, you know, we was on Zoom from like 3 in the morning. Uh, definitely the weekend. We didn't get off Zoom to like maybe 5, 5.30 in the morning. We just want to make sure that everything as far as the production was right, man. You know, we just want everybody to be treated real fairly. You know, the whole idea came up, came about with the Closer Olympics. You know, I was just in my garage chilling one day, and I was just trying to figure out, you know, how can, you know, we bring some value to the marketplace that's different? You know, we right. all know that, you know, people go to events, people get a chance to see guys like us speak on the stage. But I was like, what if the guys that always speak on stage, what if they can show what they really can do and we can turn it to a competition? And at the same time, you know, we can give back to different families for different causes as well, you know, such yep. as 19. So it was about, about bringing the real guys together in the industry and let us all, you know, just compete with each other, but at the same time, have a great time. And like you said, man, I got the opportunity to meet guys like you, uh, guys like Steve Training I never met before, guys like Steven Morales. So I think it was a good thing because I feel like now we always got a memory together and uh, we, we'll never be able to forget it. So that's Dude, I, I feel like we're all brothers at this point, man. Yeah, I, so. I actually missed the, the group chat a little bit when we were yeah. all talking on a daily basis. I, yeah. I know every now and then it, it fires up again. Uh, yeah. out of nowhere yeah. but uh you know i want to i want to share a funny story of uh something that happened uh so you and i both spoke at at quentin flores's uh ground zero event yeah and uh, i so i drove down to san antonio i don't even know if you remember this or not yeah but i, I drive down to san antonio i'm getting out of the car i'm walking in the hotel and my mind's somewhere you. else man. <laughs> and, and you're walking out and you're like hey rj what's going on man and I totally just, I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Uh, and you were like, am I going to see you around? And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually speaking, and, and you'll see me over there. And I got on the elevator, and I'm going up to my room, and I'm like, dude, that was Keith Everett. Like, that was the first time. I was like, dude, I totally disrespected him in the parking lot. <laughs> 
Yeah, man, I actually was, man, believe it or not, when I seen you, I was just like, like you said, like, that's RJ Bates, like, you can't forget about the beard, or you can't forget yeah. about the friend, so I was just like, man, it was cool to be able to, you know, finally see you in person, man, so it was definitely great meeting you, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I felt bad, man, uh, for just for kind of blowing you off, but my head was somewhere else, and I was just trying to think about, okay, what all do I need to do to get ready for yeah. the next day and the event, and we had a booth up there and all that, so, yeah, but I had to share that, but, uh, Anyways, uh, you, you know, the, the closers Olympics, man, and, and look, for anyone that's listening, uh, they're, they're probably getting tired of hearing me talk about it, but I, I think it was such an impactful event for the community. I still have people messaging me about it, you know, yeah. and, and talking about it. So, you know, you talked about all the work that you had to put in and, and the long nights. I will say this. Uh, I can tell a difference in the energy level of, of you and Aaron and Elijah and and Q, I mean, you guys put in a lot of work. And yeah. I think, do you think that impacted y'all's y'all's first rounds and second rounds a little bit? Where just kind of the exhaustion and and the, you the know, what? You know, kind of left y'all. Uh, uh, you know what? You know, I would I wouldn't say so because I feel like this. This is the reason why I say so. Uh, you know, when it's time, when it was game time, I really wasn't thinking about anything else because I knew that everything was on the line at that moment. At least I felt like it. So I feel like it's kind of like you get into a fight, you know, when somebody hits you, you never really feel it till it's over. And right. I think that was the same type of the example, you know, with the closer Olympics, you know, I was just more frustrated because it wasn't really just about winning with me. It was about just showing my skills. I wanted people to see my skills to show them that, hey, listen. I'm not just, a, I mean, I'm a closer and I got different type of abilities. I'm very, uh, the, you know, versatile. I wanted people more to see that more than anything. You know, if I would have just got a chance to show my skills and I didn't win, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I wanted to at least show the people my skills and show them the different techniques that I use on a daily basis. Right. So I want to talk about your round specifically. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you went up against the, the eventual uh, winner, Adrian. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, who I also lost to in the second round. So, so you yeah. and I have a, a common enemy. Yeah, he had to go through it, man. He had to go through yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, in that first round, you know, it was there was a lot of conversation about whether or not you were going to be allowed to have a second round, yeah. uh, second first round, because the leads were just not there. Right. You were the last person to go, and it was just a real good, tough go. And, and I know you wanted to showcase your talents. I think all of us wanted to see that. Right. But what I want to talk about is, is you actually had a lead and, and there was a circumstance in which it went south. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about that, not to like showcase something that you did wrong. It's a learning, but, it's a learning lesson at the end of the day. You know, I feel like that, you know, you got to be a hundred percent, you know, brutally honest about it. It was a mistake. You know, normally uh, I would have told the guy that I was, my headquarters was in Alabama, but I thought that at that moment, at that night, you know, in a, in a competition, I thought that me saying I was in his town, I thought that would have put me further. But that Agreed. goes for all of us, though. You know, if I was honest, I'm sure the guy would have felt that honest energy for myself, even though we was over the phone. And guess what? I would have been in that second round. Because if you look back at the call, and I actually took a look at the call because I had to do my recap video I actually had a pretty good call. You did. And, you did. and the property was worth 140 and my man said 75. I know. I couldn't handle the business at the end of the deal. 
and so here's the deal. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this because I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to be facing in the second round. Right. And, and I'm watching this call go and I'm watching you not get leads, not get leads. Nobody's answering the phone. The, the clock's ticking. And I'm like, man, you know, Diddy's going to get the, the rough end of this. You finally get the guy on the phone. And so to, to tell everybody what happened, basically the guy's in Omaha, Nebraska. He wants to know, does Keith have a local office there? He says, hey, yeah, we're, we're local. We, we've got something there. And then he kind of catches them and, and he realizes, all right, th there's not a local office. It gets a little bit awkward. Clock's yep. ticking down. There's like four or five minutes left. And, and the conversation just dwindles down. The reason why I want to bring this up is because a lot of people nowadays are trying to get into virtual wholesaling and, and closing over the phone, especially because of COVID. So right. looking at that now on a daily basis, a top-notch closer like yourself, when he says, hey, are you in Omaha, Nebraska, and you're not, how do you handle that on a normal basis when you don't have a clock ticking down and you're not I in the competition? I watched a few deals in Houston recently that we actually got assigned you know, right now. And it was the same situation came up. And guess what? I did what I should have did at the Closer Olympics. Listen, our headquarters is here in Alabama. We just buy properties in Houston. That's one of our main markets. That's easy. Think about it. The whole world is virtual right now. So there's no need to tell them anything other than the truth. And exactly. I didn't tell the truth at that time during the Closer Olympics. It cost me. So, yeah, I can say that I didn't get the leads at the beginning. But at the end of the day, you know, God still gave me opportunity to get somebody on the phone, even though it was a lead from somebody from the crowd. But at the end of the day, I still talked. You know, I still got on the phone. That's like somebody saying, you know, I'm injured, but you're playing the game. So guess what? If you if you if you if you're good enough to play in that game, but you claim you're injured, you shouldn't have been playing. So you and, know, and look, you hey, know, I, I agreed with the decision that they gave the victory to Adrian and didn't let you have a first, another first round because of that phone call. Yeah. And, and as tough as it was, it was like you, you had it and, and there was an opportunity there. And to be honest with you, had he just not made a big deal about, are you from Nebraska or are you not? Yeah. You would have won. If right. he had just said 75,000 and you said, all right, I, I can lock it up right now for 75,000. Right. To be honest with you, you might have been the only person to get a signed contract. Yeah, it was that. Close. It was literally that close. It was literally that close, and that's why I said, man, you know, I couldn't. You know, at first, I'm gonna be honest, I was extremely mad because, you know, for my eyes, from my point of view, you know, I feel like the call I had, even though I, you know, I messed up at the end and all the stuff happened at the beginning. You know, three quarters of the calls that I had for the thirty minutes, I didn't think that he had calls good enough to be able to win. So I feel that we should have did it over because of that, because I don't feel like that he really had enough to win, but at the same time, I did enough to lose. So it was just like, you know, but I understood it though. You know, when I said and thought about it, you know, when I, when I put my emotional aspect to the side and thought logically, listen, we were still running the event, man. You know, you got to congratulate yeah. this man, you know, at the end of the day, he still had to handle some type of business to win. And this guy is really a closer. So I wasn't ever mad at that. You know, we asked me, Adrian spoke after that, and I told him straight up. I said, man, listen, you go out there, and you better go win it now for sure. And he did what he, he, did exactly what he was going to try to do from the get-go. So you can't right. even expect it, man, you know. And I will say this. You know, there was I think there was more drama on day two than there was day one. But during day one, you know, there was a couple of instances where I think some people felt like Antonio beat Steven Morales. 
Yeah. I think uh, some people thought Chris Jefferson beat Andy. And then there was a situation with you and Adrian. Yeah. I think the most interesting part about it was Max Maxwell said, I'm not going to judge this. I don't have anything to judge. I respect that because what Max told me is this. He said, if we was well, we was getting ready to hire somebody based off them getting on the phone, he said, none of us would have made that decision that night. He said, none of us would have, because that wouldn't have been a fair chance to them if they was trying to get on at, at, you know, at, the, at, their, at this company. Right. So I, from that aspect as well, but the thing is, you know, the thing about different perspectives, everybody got a different perspective. And just because one person's perspective is right, don't necessarily mean another person's perspective is wrong. And when I had to look at everybody's perspective, I couldn't do nothing but understand that. And I feel like it was a situation for myself to be able to character build in that moment. And, uh, it, and it gave me an extra layer of uh, of endurance, man. So, you know, I can't do nothing but just, you know, just take my hats off, man. So, you know, I was cool with it. Right. And you know what? You know what's funny about that is, is, you know, you were the original visionary of this. And, and I know that you wanted to go out there and put on a great performance. I know you've closed deals on stage in front of people. I know you've done cold, other cold calling webinars and challenges where you've closed deals over the phone. Yeah. What was crazy about this is, is that you said it when the, when the, uh, the matchup between you and Adrian was announced, you said, this is the headlining you wanted to go last. Yeah. And, sure. and that ended up like impacting, you know, I, it was a shame. It was, yeah. it was a shame. Well, the thing is, you know, when we, when we made the schedule, it was never supposed to extend out that long to, you know, eight, right. nine o'clock. The, the plan was my time should have been at six, but you know, we didn't plan for stuff like that. And that's what happened. Yeah. So now of course, if we had to do it again, we understand like, Hey, listen, that last slide at nine o'clock, it may not be fair to somebody. So we may need to switch the times up a little bit. Maybe we need to start earlier, uh, earlier. Maybe we need to, you know, to kind of go by schedule a little bit better. So, I mean, I mean, somebody had to take the first hit. Somebody was going to take that hit anyway. It just happened to have to be me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Gotta, you know, take the sacrifice. So, Right. So for all the people right now that are listening that, that didn't attend the Closers Olympics, I know that we have a, a couple of special things in the works right now. Um, all of us have gone and done recaps of at least one of our phone calls and, and kind of explained why we handled the situations. So right now, for the people that, that don't have a replay or haven't seen it, what can they go purchase and, and what's available to them as far as bun- bundles that are available? Yeah, so actually, man, we actually got something special uh, getting ready to release. Uh, I'm talking about we literally, like, putting the, the final touch. It's really already done. You know, we just putting the final touches on it. Uh, we got a closers guide 2.0 coming out. It's explaining so much different acquisitions techniques uh from negotiations to overcoming objections to a whole bunch of other things as well you're gonna have a raw and uncut replay and also you're gonna have the closers breakdown like rj said every closer is going to break down at least one of their calls so you guys understand the exact reason why people were saying the stuff that they were saying and i feel like that's very very important because it's one thing to learn through modules it's another thing to watch people live you know make calls but it's a whole different level you know, when somebody is watching their own call and they're pausing it and they're breaking everything down. So, you know, as far as, you know, where you guys can find it at, uh, the same website, it'll be uh, Closers Olympics, uh, you know, dot com, the same website that we already, uh, you guys were purchasing the tickets on. So everything should be included in that website. 
And uh, like I said before, be looking, you know, look out very, very soon because this thing is getting ready to drop. Like literally we're days away. So please be looking out for that. I'll make sure that uh, we put the, the link down in the show notes below. So you guys have that. Um, an, another question that I have for you about the, the closers Olympics is, is that, you know, there was 11 other competitors going on and I, I don't know how much time you got to spend being able to watch the competitors, but, you know, compared to doing work in the behind the scenes, but uh, was there anything that stood out to you as far as another competitor, something that somebody did or a strategy that they, that they repeatedly utilized? Was there anything that stood out to you? Uh, the two people that stood out to me the most was uh, was actually you and Steven Morales. And, uh, I, you know, Eric, I mean, we all know about your style, man, the confidence. Uh, and, all, and I said it, man, I said, this guy is out there talking to the sellers like a cash buyer will be talking to the seller. I mean, Absolutely. I know how confident cash buyers are. And one thing about the cash buyers, you can tell who actually have the cash and who don't. And I feel like you was coming off, you know, from that type of aspect. And, uh, and they was believing you. And that's why you were getting your way, because... You were really saying exactly what you really do. So I feel like that was very, very important. Uh, another person was Steven Morales. I think that he was like the, the real tech savvy boxer. Uh, he don't really make a lot of mistakes. You don't get it, you know, like in basketball, he don't turn the ball over that much. You know what I mean? And I feel like he's right by the textbook, man. He, he, he was he was pretty impressive. His discipline was the thing that was impressive. I already knew that he had techniques and he could close, but I didn't realize how disciplined he really was, no matter what type of seller he was dealing with. So I thought that was pretty impressive. You know, it's funny you call them disciplined because I think that there's there's been a lot of people since the, the Closers Olympics that have talked about my aggressive techniques, uh, some of Steve Trang's, you yeah. know, how he, how he did, pulled back, was negative. You know, uh, he, he had some difficult sellers where he, he, chose, to, he, yeah, he, he chose to not mirror the anger and the cussing and all that. And, and he tried to build rapport a different way. So there was a lot of different techniques, but Steven Morales, you're right. Uh, was, was very technical. And I think that kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. With some people where for some of us, we were watching and we're like, man, this is super impressive. What this guy's doing. You could tell he is a trained. Yeah. Facts. And I'm going to tell you something about uh, Steven Morales, man. He lost not because of him. He did everything right. Yep. He just didn't have the sellers that he needed to have. Absolutely. And my guy Andy, he had a better second round than his first round. I feel like personally that the first round, I thought that Chris Jefferson won. But I did feel like Andy did have a great second round. And, of course, he had better sellers as well. So he capitalized. He did what he was supposed to do. I can tell yeah. you that. Beginning, he was ready. When he got on that phone, he was in attack mode. And that's the reason why he won. So he, he, he did good. You know, and it's funny, you talking about Chris Jefferson losing to, to Andy. I think Chris Jefferson lost because the seller out of nowhere just went extremely negative on him. I mean, dude, he probably had one of the best phone calls in the first round, and, and it was going beautiful. I mean, I was I was watching it, and I was like, this guy is so silky smooth. I mean, this is, I mean, this is beautiful. And then out of nowhere, she just way pulled back and just was like, no, 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 not interested. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting off the phone. And yeah. I think that cost him. You think and, that uh, it was unfortunate, but that's the reality of trying to close deals that that can happen to anybody. Man, it happened to me yesterday. Trust me. I know all about that. It don't feel too good either, especially in a moment like that. 
You know, we only got 30 minutes, man. Right. That, I mean, that right there. If we had, of course, if you just in your regular business, you got time and time and time to be able to make that right. But when you're talking 30 minutes and you're down to what, 10 minutes or less, man, yeah. that hurts you. That hurt anybody. Absolutely. So, so enough with the closer limits. Let's talk about what you're doing out there in Alabama. So, yeah, sure. yeah. I know you're doing stuff in Alabama. You're doing stuff in virtual markets. You already talked about Houston. Yeah. Uh, so, you've been doing this for a couple of years, man, and, and you've come on the scene uh, immediately, just bursted out. You're doing high volume. Uh, you and Lenny are, are crushing it. So, yeah. what right now? What are you focusing on as far as markets, and and are you strictly wholesaling? That's a good question, man. So uh, one thing I want to, uh, you know, address this real quick. You was right about that. I burst on the scene last September at the beginning of September last year. I knew a lot of these guys already because they knew that we was, you know, really doing deals and stuff like that. Of course. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Right. So, you know, when we came on the scene last year, you know, we just immediately took off because we was really already we wasn't rookies or nothing like that. So we really took off. But as far as, uh, you know, as far as the business, what we're doing right now, uh, we're in Huntsville, Alabama, which is where we're located at. We're in Birmingham, Alabama. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're in Atlanta, Georgia. And then we're down there in Houston. So uh, now as far as the markets that we've been in for over a year, it's been Atlanta, Huntsville, and Birmingham. So we're still pretty new to Houston and Charlotte. And, uh, you know, we, we love it, man. I love the bigger markets. I was talking about this yesterday. Man, I won't I won't smoke with all the you know the great companies. I feel like Atlanta helped me get better because I had the opportunity to have to move very quickly and I had to be able to create urgency a, a certain type of way to keep these sellers under contract. And I feel like that that's what helped us start, you know, start growing our company to a different level. And we realized that we start hiring these uh, car salesmen. I got one guy in our company, he worked at Audi for seven years, another guy at Mercedes for 15 years. Uh, another guy uh, we had in our company, uh, he was at Mercedes. No, he was at, uh, I think it was at like Ford or something for like 20 years. And some of these guys go back and forth to different dealerships. But I wanted these type of guys in the company who already had sales skills. So that way that, you know, these guys are well prepared and they already been talking to sellers and stuff. And they pushed me to have to, you know, train them. So th these guys coming in already know about Grant Cardone. So they looking at me like, man, who is this guy? He just... <laughs> But when I start rolling up my sleeves and hopping back on the phone and getting dirty, that's how I really got here today. Because people think that I just came on the scene just because I wanted people to look at me. I wanted to sell a course. But really, I started getting back active because the guys in my company, they were, they were so good or coming from different backgrounds that I wanted to show them, like, listen, I'm not just pointing fingers in here. You know, I'm, I really do this. This is what I really love to do, not just what I want to do. So that was I love it. So what made you decide to go to those markets? Because I, I, I get that question all the time. You know, we're we're in crazy markets like Hawaii and Alaska, but you're yeah. you're in more traditional, larger markets like you talked about. What, what made you decide Atlanta? What made you decide Charlotte? We look at markets that's five hundred thousand as far as the population and up. And uh, my partner, he he's the integrator of the company, so I know he was on List Source, and uh, we was actually taking a look at the uh, you know the highest cash sales in Pacific counties. And uh, we were just testing out different counties. Uh, we tested out Atlanta. We've seen Charlotte's uh, past three months cash buyers. The same with Houston. And we looked at Houston. We was like, oh, my God. It's so many cash sales going on in Houston, Texas, that I was just like, we're very, very impressed. So we wanted to just go on and hop in, man, and just, you know, I know it's the fourth largest city in the world. And uh, I, 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 I want that journey. I really enjoy going into new markets 
because I remember, you know, how it was. We walked into Atlanta and we got smacked in the face so many times and we was getting ready to quit and just go back to Alabama. But for some reason, we stuck down in there and ended up getting a large deal off and it just kicked in the door. And after that, oh, my God, I said, I love this. I love <laughs> it's kind of like a journey. You know, it's like a journey. It's kind of like when you're a freshman in high school and you're playing football, you're not on varsity. So that means you got to climb your way up the ranks. And then eventually you'll get the varsity if you continue to work hard and evolve. And then now, you you know, you're one of the biggest players in the market. So that's just how I look at it. I love it. Are you guys 100% virtual even in your home market? Right now, right, right now we, we do got an office. We're still paying like $2,700 a month. And we haven't been in it in months, which is crazy. So we got a decision to make. Uh, but right now we've been doing this thing on Zoom, man. I mean, it's been working pretty good. When it's going good, it's going great. But when people energy start getting low and you're not in person, it can have an effect on people. And that's one thing I don't like about it. So if you ask me, I kind of rather be in person because you can train quicker. Uh, and you just, you know, the vibes can be different too, man. And when the, when the energy is low, you can just call a meeting real quick and kind of pump everybody up. But when you're doing it virtual, man, sometimes, you know, people at their house, you don't know what they really think about. Right. So for the people that are listening, they're like, okay, you know, Keith's in, in Huntsville, Alabama, and he's he's wholesaling properties in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. So you're closing them over the phone. Yep. How are you getting pictures of the property, dispoing it? How are you doing all of that without having boots on the ground there? Well, we actually got boots on the ground. We call okay. them property specialists. Uh, we actually got a whole system for our property specialists built out in our podio. So what happens is this. When we get an appointment, uh, say, in Atlanta, uh, what happens is we already know all the boots on the ground schedule. We have them send a schedule every Sunday. So that way we know exactly who to call for uh, which appointment. Right. So what we do is once we get a, a property that we need an appointment, uh, once we get a set time, uh, we shoot it out. We shoot out an email to the property specialist, which is the booster on the ground again. They get that email. They have to accept that appointment. We send them different things. Uh, we send them stuff about the seller with the specs. Is it going to be vacant? Is it going to be a cash buyer? Or are you just taking pictures? So once we send that to them, they have that in their email. They got to confirm that once they go out to the appointment, once they're done, if they got to take pictures, they uh, got to put all the pictures in Dropbox, send that link, that Dropbox link, right back to the email that you received to receive the appointment in. And then once that is confirmed that the pictures is there, our transactional specialist or our transactional coordinator send it over to the uh, CFO and the CFO pay them via PayPal. So we got a whole system in each market that we in. Uh, so that way we can move very quickly, man. I feel like boots on the ground is something. And I mean, everybody know about it, but I don't think people give these people enough credit. And a lot of times we like to get newer wholesalers who are very, very, you know, scared to get out there to really get in front of people or talk to people. That way, when there are boots on the ground or a property specialist, to give them the opportunity to be able to get in front of these sellers' faces or to be able to show these cash buyers the property. So once they start getting their stuff together, they already got some experience and ready to go out there and tackle the world. So that's another thing that we like to do for newer people. So let's talk about the situation that I think newer wholesalers specifically are going to struggle with, which is, you know, you, you thought the ARV was, you know, let's just use 150. You contracted it 75,000. Right. And, you know, your property specialist goes out there, walks the property, submits the pictures back to you and you're like, whoa, this needs a lot more work than what they told us over the phone. And, and we don't need to be at 75. We need to be at 50. How, who in the company handles this? 
And what does that conversation sound like when you have to go in and get the price reduction because of the repairs? So, so this is what we do. That's an interesting question, right? So what we used to do is when we see a situation like that, I would just go ahead and just call the seller and say, hey, we need to be here. But what we also, what we do is this. We send the property out still. My partner, he's uh, he's doing dispo right now. We actually had a dispo manager. Uh, we actually in the process of hiring another. We actually need two right now. So my partner right now had to take back over dispo. So what he does is still send the property out. Still, we can get some interest. Still let those, uh, you know, uh, we call them financial partners, which is cash buyers, go take a look at the property and we still let them make an offer. Based on the offer of the cash buyers, that's how we know what we need to uh, do the price reduction at. So we still let these guys like to make an offer. So that way that, you know, once we go back to the seller, we know we got a cash buyer, right? We know that they already, you know, they're serious about moving forward. We know how quick they can close. The only thing we got to do now is, and I'm the one in the company that does the price reduction still. That's pretty much everything that I always do. And then if I had to take over a problem seller out of transactions, that's what I do on a daily basis and just do price reductions, right? So I just go back to the seller. Hey, Mr. Seller, how you doing today? And remember, they don't know me because they already right. have a acquisition manager. So I immediately come in as a higher authority and I call myself a finance manager, right? Hey, Mr. Seller, how you doing today? They say they're doing pretty good. Man, I'm glad today is going pretty well. Uh, my name is Keith. I'm actually one of the finance managers in the finance department with Hometown Cash Buyers. I know you've been speaking with uh, one of our transactional specialists, Ashley. And I just wanted the person to give you a call because I did have your file on my desk right now. And uh, once your file touched my desk, that means we're getting closer to the closing table. So I just want to give you a call real quick just to give you a little update on the property. And I just want to get this thing moving forward for you. Right. So I kind of introduce it like that. I greet them and uh, I like to tell them the reason why I'm calling exactly who I am. And I uh, just want to kind of give them a heads up about, you know, what we're getting ready to talk about. So I say, hey, so uh, a transaction specialist, uh, Ashley, she did let me know that the title was pretty much completed. And it looked like that the title company have a closing date uh, open for next Thursday at 2 p.m. So I wanted to give you a call because I absolutely want to meet that closing date. I know how important it is to get this property off your shoulders because, you know, Mr. Uh, Matt, one of our acquisition guys, he let me know a little bit more about the situation. And I just want to make sure that we get this thing to the closing table for you. I'm pretty sure you want to close, correct? They're going to say, of course, yeah, we want to close. That's what we're doing. Right. But one thing I want to let you know is this. I actually just had a meeting uh, probably about two hours ago. Uh, it was actually with my partner, Lenny. He's actually one of the finance managers, uh, a couple of our contractors and financial partners. And one thing that they mentioned to me is this, is that the property needed just a little bit more work than we originally anticipated. Uh, but, you know, like I stated before, we got the closing date for uh, Thursday at 2 p.m. I absolutely want to get you to the closing table. But you know, with the added renovation costs, it's going to leave us kind of in an over-leveraged situation. And I just want to be able to close this property for you. You know, then they might say what they say, oh, uh, whatever they might say, you know, oh, I know, or they may get mad. Uh, and to be honest with you, I know we're at 80,000 right now. And and when I was speaking to my partners, they really wanted to be anywhere, you know, from 60 to 65,000. This is the point right here. And when I know the seller made to blow up, <laughs> If they don't blow up, guess what? We're going to hit a home run. Right. But let's say they do blow up, right? One thing I do is take a mental note. If they blow up on me, and which I expect them to do, I know I at least reset the seller's expectations. So I don't care how mad you get, how disappointed you are, your expectations get reset automatically, right? 
Then I like to, you know, bring them down, and then this is when I build them back up. You know what I mean? We just need to be at 70. We at 80 right now. Our cash offer may be at 80, and we're at 80. So now I got to reset the expectations, 60 to 65, and now it's time for me to pick them back up. Gotcha. Go crazy on me. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, Mr. Seller, you didn't, you didn't get you gave me the opportunity to let me finish. You know, I told the guys that I absolutely didn't want to go that low. I didn't think it was fair to you. And I'm actually the relationship guy in the company. And that's the reason why I'm the one that's on the phone with you right now. My partners, these guys are about just numbers and just getting the property closed. And I just wanted to just let you know, I'm just trying to figure out a way to get you to that closing date as we spoke about that I know you want to do. And I just want to make sure that I maintain a great relationship well with the guys. So if I can do this, if I can get the guys to cut renovation costs on the property, you know, maybe we can go with a lower quotes. And uh, maybe even if we got to pull some money out one of our other accounts just to make it work, I just want to make sure we make it work for you. Uh, I know you're at 80000 right now, but if I was able to get the guys to cut renovation costs and maybe we pull some extra funds out, is there any way we could be at around $70,000 and we'll still take care of the closing costs as we agreed on and we can meet that, uh, that closing date on Thursday at 2 p.m.? I mean, do you think we can make that happen? So that's when, you know, either they're going to make it happen or they ain't going to make it happen. Right. Even if they say, you know, you know what? I don't want to do 70, right? I want to do 75. Remember, the buyer at 80, they want to do 75. Well, let me right. see. I don't know if we can do that 75, but let me see if I can make this happen for you. But if for any reason, I was able to make this happen with my partner. I mean, do you think that you could pull your email up so that way I could just send you an addendum? I want to make sure I get this over to the title company so that way we can close on time. So I get that confirmation from them before I go back and double confirm it, right? And then I come back. If they at 75, they really want to be there, I hit them with a closing cost strategy. It's called the closing cost box in. I say, hey, Mr. Seller, I'm back. Uh, listen, I actually got two different prices approved for you. Uh, either one of them is fine with us. You just let me know what's one best fits your situation. I can absolutely do that 75000 but you would have to take care of the closing costs. Or I could just do 72000 We take care of the closing costs and all the fees that's associated with the property. You just let me know which one is best for you. I got both approved in the finance department. And uh, I just want to make sure that we secure the funds for you. Which one is best for you? So I kind of box them in like that. Most of the times they choose the 72 because they don't want to come out of pocket for the closing costs. Right. And you know what's funny about this is you've hired car salesmen and you're actually treating it like you are selling a car. I mean, when you go to buy a car, this is how you... It, you're treated as the buyer you know what i mean it's like uh i've got to go talk to the finance manager and then they come back and it's like okay this is where we've got you approved and then you have a question and then they go leave and they make you sit there and think about it and then the next thing you know i mean for anybody that's bought a car you suck at one point in time you finally get to a point where it's like you know what now i'm arguing over like such small differences like i'm just gonna accept whatever they come back with and it's been working. It's been working. I'm be honest with you. I mean, because now you feel like you're dealing with an actual company. You know, yep. you learn how to leverage the different type of authorities that you can have in the company. You know what I mean? You may say buying specialists. You know, when acquisition, they don't really know. The seller don't really know. But if they're getting treated with a certain type of respect and they're and they feel like they're talking to a higher authority, then they're gonna feel pretty comfortable about it. So was this your idea? Was this Lenny's idea? Was it the sales guys? How did you come up with that? Well, what happened was this, man. When we got the sales or the sales guys into the company, you know, one day I was just sitting, I was just thinking, like, man, finance manager, you know, 
by, you know, finance department. You know, I'm just thinking, I'm, you know, I brainstorm a lot. I'm like, this sounds pretty cool. Right. And guess what? Two of the guys that came in, they were finance managers. So I thought the idea to unleash it, but these guys already knew the terminology because that's the world that they came from. So I would kind of call it kind of half and half because it's still their background. And I just thought about what they was calling themselves and the job descriptions that they had. So that's why I'm like, this make a lot of sense. <laughs> make a lot I love of it. So, you know, you talked about, you know, you, you kind of bust on the scene here. This, this is all still relatively new for you, right? Exactly. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you're still fresh in this, in this business as, mm -hmm. as are most of us. I mean, let's be right. real, but you know, at this point in time, do you have any idea of where you want to go? Like, what is your end goal with your company? Are you still kind of like, I, I'm not sure yet. I'm just enjoying the ride at this point. I think, I think uh, you know, when I look at, if I had to say, I'm looking at the, you know, not the finish line, but I'm looking, you know, down the road, you know, I see like, you know, a big real estate developer, you know, I see a big, you know, I want five, you know, five thousand uh, doors and stuff like that. That's what I see when I really look at the future. You know what I mean? I feel like wholesaling. I will always do that uh, because it sells and marketing. So I think that will always be going. But as far as like being the main thing, you know, we slowly trying to get away from that right now because we understand that you know if you want to master the tax game, and that's the difference between you know the the people who may got a, a few million and the people who got a lot of million. They know how to leverage the taxes. You know yep. what I mean? like wholesaling is not the best strategy i mean it's, it's it'll help you be able to acquire properties to dump the uh the cash into different assets but i don't think that just raking in the cash raking in the cash eventually man as you get smarter you're gonna be like i want different uh tax breaks and stuff like that absolutely so, so i got another question for you and, and you're gonna be the first person that i've asked this to um you know because you are you know kind of coming on the scene you got the closers olympics you've got your your course that you rolled out you know yeah. towards the end of last year you've spoken at a, at a couple a couple of conferences yeah what is the motivation for for keith everett to to go speak on stage uh to do you know ig lives where you're closing sellers and and all these other things what is the motivation behind that in comparison to pouring that energy into your your real estate company, I think that I think that the difference between you know as far as like kind of like the uh, the education personal brand thing, and you talking about the business, I think that you know this part of it, like you said, personal to the scene. I feel like it's kind of more having to do with just people feeling your pain. You know, when I'm doing you know real estate in my business. You don't really have to care about my story. You don't really have to, you know, feel me as a person. I mean, of course, I'm trying to get you to sign something on the dotted line. But when it comes to this, people has to bind to you before they bind to whatever you're trying to offer them. Or if you're not even trying to offer them anything, they have to bind to you before they even watch your IG lives. So I yeah. want to tell people like I do this for real. I don't play about that. You know what I mean? I know some people may teach and they don't really do the business. My heart is really in the business still. I, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I wasn't really doing the business. Right. I wouldn't feel right because you know why? How can I teach somebody something that I'm not doing? How can they connect with my energy if I'm not really doing that? If I don't know the emotions that they're going through when they're taking their losses and I'm just trying to sell them something, I mean, how are we really connecting? So that's just, that's just my personal belief. Everybody got different beliefs, 
But that's just how I feel about the situation. You want to know what's so funny, man, is after the closers Olympics, especially day one, you know, I, I had that really that really good first round, and, and I keep saying it, you know, it's, it's, I, I caught a heater. I got really good leads. Yeah. And, and then I just did what I do on a daily basis. It wasn't like I did, I did a whole lot that was special, in right. my opinion. But uh, I, I've gotten people reach out, and they're like, dude, you killed it. You actually do this. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do? Of course I actually do this. What do you think I've been talking about for the past six years? <laughs> I'm like, this is what I do on a daily basis. Like, yes, this is what I actually do. You know, I'm like, but then I just sit around with a microphone all day long. And <laughs> this is what I do. Like, no, I actually buy houses and sell them. Right, right. So I, I feel what you're talking about there as far as like showing people, because I think there's a certain level of, it nowadays, like, do you actually do this or are you just trying to sell me something? Right. And, and honestly, this is my opinion. The people deserve to know. Yeah. Because if you're not really telling them that and they thinking that, you could be tricking them. Let me ask you this. I, I know y'all handpicked who was in the closer Olympics, but there, there were some people in that in the in the group that like maybe you didn't know or maybe Elijah didn't know because it was handpicked between the four of y'all. Yeah. Did you ever have some worries where it was like, man, you know, do those guys, do they actually do this? Like, nah. I don't know. I don't know them, you know? It was never that question because everybody that was picked, we knew that they did it. That's why okay. everybody picked. I love it. I love it. Hey, who, who made I, didn't, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know my my competitor. I said that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I couldn't even talk trash about him. I had to call him first round by because I didn't know what else to say. I, was like, I, I don't know Nick. And, uh, it, and it was funny because I'm like, I don't know if this guy's going to come out and be just a, a killer. Which yeah. it turns out he was. I mean, he almost got me. Yeah. And uh, or or if he wasn't gonna be able to, to, to do anything, you know, and, and it's funny because when you think about it on a competition, we were so concerned about who else was competing and what they were doing, but we never actually think about that on a day-to-day -day basis. But that's what we're actually experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis with people in our own markets. It's because it was the top of the top. That's what it was. It was the top of the top. Like you knew, like, okay, I know RJ Bates not gonna play. <laughs> you know, I, I I knew that, you know what I mean. So right. I think that, you know, if I'd be lying to mom, I, I knew Adrian was a closer. That's what got me even more hyped up because I thought it was pretty dope that oh we get a chance to show the people, you know, who is who. So I thought that was one of the best things about it, and that was the whole vision. You know, we want right. to mess with the best against each other. I love it, man. So uh, a couple more questions before we wrap up. You know, from from this point moving forward. I know we've got the queen closers coming up later this year. Yes, sir. But is there going to be another closer Olympics in 2021? Man, honestly, we're going. What, what, what's going to happen here? We want to have it in person, man. In we, person. We, we want to do it in person, you know, because we got so many different ideas. Uh, we can have it in person. And at the same time, you know, I would like to broadcast it like a boxing match, like still on pay-per-view TV. You got people, you know, not the judges are not the commentators. They're just the judges. So I would like to be actual commentators that's commentating it and let the judges just be the judges. You know what I mean? That'd be pretty dope. And then have somebody with the mic, like, hold on, turn it back over to R.J. Bates. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, we got Steve right. here. We want to ask you about, you see what I'm saying? Right. Like a real live event. 
I love know, it. Uh, I, I'm going to make a, a public request. Uh oh. I think we should get rid of the scores. I think it should be three judges, majority. Whoever picks the winner is the winner. Because I think that caused a lot of drama, specifically with me and Adrian, but it, it caused drama with Chris yeah. and Andy. It caused drama with others. And, and at the end of the day, it was unnecessary. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they had just said Adrian won, Adrian won, Adrian won, all right. Yeah. Whatever. They said Adrian won. Yeah. But when there was points, that's when it became like, oh, I did do this. I did do that. You know, that's just my personal request as being a participant. Because you got to think about it. Everybody are closers. So when you're saying a person didn't do something, right? feel like they absolutely did, I can't do nothing but understand why they feel the way they feel. Dude, you know I, I man, you know your style. You know what you do good, and you know what you probably don't do too good. Exactly. But I'm going to tell you right now, when, when Carlos said I didn't build rapport, I went back and watched my call, and I'm like, this dude's like eating candy out of my hand right now. Like, what do you mean I didn't build rapport? Like, listen to this call, you know? I know one, then, thing, one thing that hurt you though, RJ, and it wasn't your fault. I feel like, and this is another thing that we got to, you know, address before the next one is I feel like the comps kind of threw you off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The second round, oh, yeah. the comps kind of threw you off. And I was just, because I even tried to look up the property and I was just like, oh, I don't even know what this one is. And so here was here was the weird thing about my setup, a little bit of insight. Normally, when I close a deal over the phone, I will analyze the deal on the phone with the seller. Right. But I made a decision the week before that I said, I don't want to do that. Right. I don't oh, want to so I had Cassie set up right next to me pulling comps on Propelio and PropStream. As well as we had the comps being pulled for us and shown on the screen. Right. So there was times where I wasn't getting comps. And even on the microphone, it sounded like I was getting on to the you guys, like I need comps. But I was also getting on to Cassie sitting right next to me, like, right, right. right. Damn, I got three people pulling comps for me. Bro. Somebody give me a damn ARV. I remember I was pulling comps and I was just like, man, this. Yes, man, because I really don't even know. Right. And I'm not even looking the deal up. So I don't even know. I don't know anything. I don't know that it's difficult to comp. You know what I'm saying? I'm just sitting over here like, all right, I built some rapport. I, I, I got the pain point. I know where I'm at. Like, what's what's you my area? You know what the offer all the way. So it was a difficult situation that you had to overcome. Right. It, it was it was fun, man. I, I I enjoyed that aspect of it though, because I think it showcased a different different skill set. Yeah. That, I mean, look, there's going to be times where a property is difficult to comp and, and you've got to navigate through that scenario. I remember that first round, you know, everybody was watching it. And when you had went after it was over, it was like the whole event just had stopped. Like, man, what just happened? This guy <laughs> in and just and, and I knew somebody was going to be like that. This right. guy came in and just did a, a straight stop the whole show. No matter what nobody else did, your first round was so tough that I knew, like, man, Nick, this ain't even fair, bro. I know. I, I actually felt bad for Nick because I think he had one of the better rounds out of the entire competition. And <laughs> another thing about, instead of doing it like versus, get the top scores. If we keep yeah. the scores, instead of saying R.J. Bates versus, you know, Keith Everett, uh, we may both still have high scores, and our, our, both our scores may be better than 
somebody else scores. You know, I, what I, mean? I would agree. If you keep scores, that makes sense for sure. Um, you know, but overall, man, for the first event, it was great. Over a thousand people there. You know, I, I mean, it, it was just, it was so much fun. And, and dude, I'm like I said, I'm still getting messages. Just today, I got a message like, man, you got me so pumped up from the closure Olympics. I've got five deals in escrow using the skills that you taught me. And I'm like, my dude, that's, that's, that's why we do this. My man, RJ looking like, I didn't really teach you, but you was watching, but. Right, right, exactly. It's funny. Create something for the people. I'm sure people, uh, you should create like a, you know, a sales course yourself too, man, for people so, who resonate with your style. I got something in the works. We're, we're going to talk about that once we wrap something up here. But uh, yes, sir. But, uh, you know, I, I think overall, man, it was a great event. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what else the Closers Olympics uh, comes up with. Uh, hopefully, I'm a, I'm a part of the future moving forward because I had such a blast with it. I had so much fun with the trash talk before. Uh, I, I'm, I'm keeping it going. I'm going to Phoenix tomorrow, and I'm going to go to the all-in office. I, I want to talk a little bit of trash to, to Adrian and, and Carlos while I'm there, but I gotta it's all good fun, man. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be great, man. I definitely uh, would love to have you come back. I think the buzz would be even way more crazier, even if you did it again or something. It'd be crazy. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. So, all right. Well, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I'm going to let you go, but uh, – for the people that are not already connected with you or not following you, what's the best way? Is it IG, Facebook? Where, where can they follow you and connect with you? I would say uh, on Facebook, it's uh, Keith Everett Jr. Uh, you can follow me right there on Instagram. It's Real Estate Diddy, D-I-T-T-Y. Uh, the same with Twitter. I am on actively on Twitter. People don't know it's a real estate community on Twitter. And uh, I'm just now really getting into the mix a little bit. And it's a lot of stuff to go down on Twitter, too. I just sold a couple courses on Twitter. So a lot what? of people look at that. It's a real estate community on Twitter for sure. So, uh, but mainly on IG, mainly I'm on Instagram, man. You know, that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm always posting videos. I try to do at least one a day if I can. And I'm actually getting ready to drop a video of me on the phone with a seller here in, the, in, the, in a second. So it's going to be pretty dope, man. Just follow me. And if you want to look at some content, then, hey, just come on and follow me. Love it. Love it, man. I, you're the first person I've heard talk about the community on Twitter. So that's. Yeah, pretty cool. I might have to check that out. But uh, man, sure. thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us, guys. Yes, sir. Uh, this is our episode for this week. Uh, like I tell you all every week, and I and I totally forgot to change this up. I, I plan on doing this at the beginning, moving forward. But uh, just so y'all remember, I only accept five star reviews on iTunes. If you want to give me less than five stars, give it to someone else. Um, Steve Train told me he really loves the two and three star reviews. So you can give those to him. Just make sure you give me the five stars. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button. All right, guys, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Keith. All right, let's get it. Let's get it. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.